Oh yeah, curse on the show. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we were giving some instructions backstage. <laughs> Should we say the instruction we were giving? Because I think yeah. that's my favorite part. So Amani said, "We're on. Mute. We're not on mute. No cursing." <laughs> and yeah. our guest said, "No cursing at all." And I gave a thumbs up, like curse away, Amani. <laughs> I didn't see your face. What did you say? I was like, "Yes, you can curse." I gave thumbs up. You know, just don't be too <laughs> vulgar. I mean, yes, that's cool. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, Mandy, happy weekend. Happy Monday. This is the last Monday that we're at Halloween's Eve. What are you going to dress up for for Halloween? Oh, well, you know, I have a fun Halloween tradition. So my neighbor, Kathy, and I, she, so normally Halloween, the World Series is on. And mm. my dog is a lover who, you know, you've met her before on the screen. So if it were up to Luca, every Halloween person would get a huge hug from her, which would be not very productive for the trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood. So mm -hmm. I at we I leave my husband and the dog at the house and I go across the street to Kathy's house. And Kathy and I sit there. I always bring a pot of turkey chili. And mm -hmm. um I sit there and when the kids come up, Kathy always off she plays a little prank on the kids. She offers them a basket of things and she's like, would you like some, you know, would you like some treats? And the kids look in and they're very confused because the basket is oyster crackers, soy sauce packets, like all the things for to go stuff. And then they look at me like, is this lady crazy? And I'm like, or do you want some candy? So we have right, this little right. shtick we do, which is fun. And so I haven't decided what I'm going to be tomorrow. I have so many wigs and glasses and Ooh. I'm sure I'll come up with something last minute. Um, I'm, okay. I'm sure it'll be super easy. What about you? What do you do for Halloween? Nothing. So I'll be, <laughs> you know, I'll be teaching. You'll be in, like in the dark with Scoot watching, yes. uh, watching the World yes. Series. I'll be lights off, no trick-or-treaters. But actually, I think this is the first time that I've taught on Halloween day. Oh. So, so I'm going to, I told my students, I said, if you, for the music class, I said, if you dress up in a costume and it's got some relation to music, I'll give you extra credit. I told okay. my entertainment operations students, if you dress up for Halloween, it has something to do with movies, TV, or film, I'll give you extra credit. So that's oh. my participation to the holiday. That's good. Wait, so do you teach, though? I mean, do you dress up in the classroom, though? If you're asking them to dress up, you just dress right. as a grumpy right. professor? I'm, I'm just like a professor. Yeah, that's my <laughs> costume. Yeah, one of my classes tomorrow, I think I'm bringing a piano in. So I might oh. just be like a busker or something. So, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think I might do that. We'll see. That's great. Play some Stevie Wonder or something. I wish I could. I'm not that advanced. I know my chords, my chord trends, my scales and my progressions and everything, but to play music, a little more difficult for me. Okay. Well, not yet. Someday. Someday. Yeah. There you go. Someday. Tell us about our guest today. Wow. <laughs> our guest is the epitome of badassery. So uh -huh. much so she is a best-selling author. She is a speaker. She's a martial artist. She's an entrepreneur. She is a coach. She is a friend. And, um, you know, I first met her a couple years ago at WeCon and instantly, you know how I do, I had to become friends with her because I thought she was awesome. And I think you've known her for a really long time as well. Um, Amani, how long have you known Jen? I first saw Jen when she presented at WeCon when we were in Catalina Island. So when Ooh, was that? That was 20... 2019. No, no, no. That was 17 or 18, I oh, think. Oh, that's right. 
Yeah, yeah. So right. I saw her there. Shout out to DJ Tech Jitsu. Hello, Tom Griggs is here in the chat. Hello. Hi, uh, everybody. Let's bring, so welcome to the virtual stage, Jennifer Cassetta, <laughs> round of applause. Jennifer! Welcome! Yes, yes. Um, so first of all, do you prefer us to call you Jennifer or Jen? So Jen is know. great. Jen, okay, Jen is great. Okay, where shall we begin? I think I have an opening question, Mandy. Are you good with me kind of asking the opening question? Yeah, go for it. I wanna know, and I'm assuming that a tiger is your spirit animal. Ooh. Mm. Tell, us why. Tell us why. So you're assuming that, first of all. First right. of all, hi guys. I'm so hi. excited to be here. <laughs> hi everyone out there. Thanks for tuning in. Tiger. So I write about the tiger in my book um, around chapter four, which is about the key up, the powerful um, spirited yell that martial artists use to accentuate every movement, um, perhaps scare off their attacker. And I briefly write about the tiger, like uh, in the intro, just saying, you know, for some reason, um, a lot of us, and especially women, I wrote the book really geared towards women, um, we don't use our voice in a powerful way. And especially when someone is encroaching on our boundaries. But if we could just channel our inner tiger, then everyone in the wild will know what's up, right? <laughs> the, the tiger doesn't say, oh, I don't want to set this boundary because I want to because I'm scared I'm going to offend somebody or make them feel bad about the way I'm setting a boundary. So, you know, everyone in the wild knows when the tiger roars what it means. So it's really just about getting clear in your communication style. Hmm. Oh, okay. Now, was I correct in my assumption or is your spirit animal a different animal? Well, I sometimes say German shepherds because Aww. I have hip dysplasia and so do they. <laughs> Okay. Being literal, but okay, okay, yes, literally, you know, uh, that's funny. But I'll go with the tiger. I'll go with the tiger. We'll go with the tiger. Okay, Mandy, go ahead. Over to you. Well, you know what? I didn't have this question prepared, but since you said it, I want to go there. Let's talk about your hip dysplasia because, you know, years and years of doing what you do. Obviously, you're active. You work out. Can you talk about? the hip situation you had when you realized you're listened to your body and actually, you know, got the procedure, got it taken care of and what that recovery looked like for you. And I have a couple of follow-up questions after that. Sure thing. Well, yeah, let's dive right in. Um, dive in. <laughs> it was probably six -ish years ago when I just started getting like very achy in my hip joint. And um, I, I kind of knew what this was going to be about because I have a history of family members that have all had hip replacements. So there is a genetic factor involved. The years of martial arts training, like sticking my leg up in the air, straight, like 180 degrees did not help, I'm sure. Um, so, so I kind of knew once that pain started the, the path that I was on, I did whatever I possibly could to put that off as long as I could. But at the end of the day, um, when there's just no space in that ball and socket joint and you're getting just bone on bone pain, it could be really, it's, it's, it's sad. It's depressing. Anyone out there that's listening that has any type of um, ailment, you know, injury, chronic injury, especially chronic pain, you know what I'm talking about. It could be a real downer on your 
on your mood. Um, a lot of people get depressed. So at some point I knew that this is holding me back from, from doing the things that, that fill me with joy, even just going for walks down to the ocean, but hiking and all the different active things that I love to do. Um, I knew that it was time. So I went for a hip replacement surgery in July of 2022. So that was, it was pretty much a five, six year span from when symptoms began to when I actually got it taken care of. How and was the rehab for your hip replacement surgery? Because, you know, you're very, very young. Most of the time we have it when people get into, the, you know, elderly age. How was rehab for you? I know someone yesterday said, oh, I had an old lady surgery too. I was like, hey. <laughs> you're like, be nice here. Don't put me in that box yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, in fact, there are a lot of people out there that have had it at a young age. How do I know this? Because when I was seeking out help and advice and support, I found a private Facebook group called Young People with Total Hip Replacements. So oh, that's actually in chapter two called Bounce Back, which is, you know, when life is kind of knocking you down for the count over and over and over again, you really need to lean on your support system and find people, seek out support systems that you normally wouldn't, right? Not just like the friends that you always go to or the family members that you always call, but like other people that have gone through that type of challenge that you're facing. So that's where I found that Facebook group. And then circling back to your question, the rehab was actually fairly, I don't want to say easy. There, it wasn't easy, but for six weeks, essentially, I was, you know, just around my neighborhood and walking around. Um, my husband was taking care of me and feeding me meals, which was <laughs> really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but by nine weeks, mm -hmm. I taught my first self-defense class again, if you can believe it. Wow. That's awesome. I'm, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. No high yeah, kicks. Yeah. <laughs> no high kicks again or just no? Oh, like probably ever, but especially on that nine weeks, I was like very staying steady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, Mindy. <laughs> well, I want to hang here on mindset because I think – so much your your book but so everybody her book is the art of badassery and oh she's got it right there she's got it right there and i love there's a rhyme in it can you read this the uh, subtitle I, I love this rhyme unleash your mojo with wisdom of the dojo ah i love it and this book is chock full of mindset and true wisdom like true mojo wisdom so you know, one of the, my favorite things you talk about is your power pose and your stance and how do you physically show up in spaces? So can you share that? I think, I think so many of us make ourselves small or we hunch over or like mentally or physically. So can you just expand on that a little bit? Like what you see people doing and then when they leave one of your speeches, how you see them grow? Absolutely. Um, you know, there's just so much to say about the mind-body connection we know that it's strong, right? Um, so I think about these 10 years where I was going to the dojo like almost every single day. And the minute that you step onto the mat, like everything changes, your physiology changes. And when your physiology changes, all of a sudden your mood changes. And we had this ready stance and the ready stance was like, just kind of here, feet separate a little bit. So you're, you know, you're taking up space, you're grounded but always like perfect posture the minute that you step on that mat. And, you know, I, I take that posture now everywhere I go. 
on stages, but even just it's my normal every day, even right now, right? I'm trying to remind myself to have my shoulders back and 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 physically straight. And that is a thing, right? I mean, it's studied with Amy from Amy Cuddy and her power posing talk. But even before that, I learned it from Tony Robbins and how you can change your state instantaneously three ways. And the first is your physiology. So if you're slumped and you're, you know, I'm not feeling so confident in the moment, you're naturally going to be rounded shoulders, rounded spine, um, you know, not taking up space. The minute that you even if you're not feeling it yet, even if you're not feeling confident yet, the minute you change your physiology, all of a sudden your breathing is going to change. You're going to breathe more deeper. You're going to relax your nervous system. Testosterone will rise if you get into that type of power pose and cortisol, those stress levels are going to decrease. So I do have my audiences at every talk I um, give stand up and hit these power poses. And then we do affirmations. So that's a whole other thing, but just those stances alone, you know, you just see it. People start to walk taller and, and act different when they feel more confident. Ah, oh, I love um, it. Could we stay here on mindset? Because I would like to know what impact Wayne Dyer has had on your career and how did your dad initially introduce him to you? Whoa, someone has deep. <laughs> someone has dug in the crates. Where did you even no, like I want to cry. Right I have now. some skills. Don't cry. Don't Aww. cry. But I have some research skills, and I feel that people need to know more about Mr. Wayne Dyer because he's popular, but not amongst like many of like our creative people. So just you know, if you feel so motivated to share. <laughs> oh my God! Of course, I love him, and and the connection to my dad is very powerful for me. Um, and if, you know, I, I share a lot about my dad because he is the first person that introduced me to self-help, all of that. Um, you know, when I was a kid, he had the Tony Robbins tapes playing in the car or the bathroom and Dale Carnegie books and like, you name it. And then as he got actually into more martial arts and more spirituality, then he started to listen to more Wayne Dyer. So we had an entire library of Wayne Dyer books. Um, and then him and I, my dad and I went to see him speak live in New York city nice. and nice. yeah, he's just, he was a very special being. And, you know, one of his sayings that are, com that's coming to me is we're not human being. No, we're human beings, not human doings or sorry. And that, but also <laughs> that we're on this earth having a spiritual, you know, experience. Right. Um, so yeah. I mean, I don't even know where to go with this conversation. All I know is it's this, my father passed away in 2016 and Wayne Dyer passed away, I think in 2015. And both of us were just like mourned that loss so much, even though we didn't know him, we met him once or twice, but um, because he was such a powerful person. Yeah. I don't know. Any specific Do you like him? Do you read his books? Oh yeah, love him. What is the one book you'd recommend? I know he has tons of them, but if there was one book that you love by him that you recommend to everyone, what book? Or you can give us two because he has so many that come to yeah. mind. Yeah, The Power of Intention, I would say, mm. is, is really wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I just did something today where I, oh, I was writing out the beginning of a big project. I, I don't even know if I should share it yet, but like I, the first sentence I wrote was the intention of this project is. And when I wrote this sentence, 
all of a sudden, all the fear and uh, the, the what ifs and how am I going to do this all just kind of melted away, even if it was just momentarily, because I had this really powerful intention of empowering millions of women to be inspired to step into their leadership so the world can experience more peace. Like, that's a huge intention. And when you can get clear on intentions, and that's the, the book, right, um, that he wrote, is like, yeah, everything else was just like, oh, okay, I can do this. Mm, brilliant. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Um, Where did you find that? <laughs> I can't. No, I have. I did my research. I dig and listen and read and dig. And so, you know, so I saw some things that caught my eye. I was like, ooh, ooh, because, mm. you know, I love Wayne Dyer, too. And I uh -huh. figured you probably know a little bit more about him than I do. So I said, let's mm -hmm. ask and let's see. <laughs> Love him. Love him. Yes. Um, how did your martial arts training help you heal from the PTSD that occurred because you were near the towers for 9-11? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I can talk to this on a very... I don't know, just how it happened to me, not necessarily a scientific um, mm -hmm. reason for it. But I just know, looking back, that after experiencing the um, towers falling that day and being in the rubble and, um, you know, I feel like a lot of people who have who probably listened to, to this have heard my story already. So I don't want to go into the whole thing. But essentially, I was three blocks south of the towers when the first one fell. Um, I experienced this like traumatic freeze in my body where I couldn't move. This woman helped me together. We looked for shelter. And finally, I took her, Nancy, to the dojo later that day. And that's where I finally started to feel more calm, more safe, um, which became this metaphor for the weeks, months, and really years after September 11th of, of this this security, this refuge, this very safe place that I felt so good every time I went there, stepping onto the mat, connecting mind, body, spirit, getting to work, you know, feeling stronger in my body, mentally more confident, spiritually more on purpose. Um, so I believe, like I said, I can only do this looking back because at the time I didn't realize I was like working out my PTSD. Mm. <laughs> um, but I can only see that, you know, the, 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 breath work in martial arts is so important. The feeling strong in my body, you know, again, that physiology connection to your mental state is so strong that that change shifted for me. And really just over time, because I remember the months and even maybe year or two that followed, I mean, the noises in New York City, like the, the trucks, the garbage trucks in the morning, or God forbid, on July 4th, the fireworks. I mean, they would, mm. would still like, you know, throw me into a, a, a panic attack. But that just, it, I think it just faded over time. And again, with the martial arts training and the meditation and the all of it um, really helped me. Okay, awesome. Uh, go ahead, Manny. <laughs> I want to, I want to hang in the self defense piece, because your tips, and if you are not following Jen Cassetta, follow her. Her information scrolling at the bottom. She is an awesome follow on Instagram, TikTok, all the things, LinkedIn, all the things. 
But your tips, your self-defense tips are so practical and so helpful. So can you share what are the top three tips for a, somebody running? Let's just say you're running, you're hiking, you're by yourself. Maybe you're somewhere you know, maybe you're somewhere you don't know. Top three tips that we can apply today that mm-hmm. can protect ourselves if we need to use self-defense. Absolutely. So there's prior to, to leaving the house, I would always make sure you're sharing your location with someone. So there's tons of apps that you can do that or just find my, you know, on your iPhone or, you know, I know there's an Android version of that as well. So that's the first one because I'm not going to be the person to say, don't go out, you know, don't run alone or don't go hike alone because I do it. And I think everyone should have that, you know, feel safe in doing that. Just make sure someone knows where you're at and can find you if necessary. The second thing, which is usually the first thing, which is mindset. You know, again, it all boils back to trying to avoid danger when possible. And you do that through situational awareness. So just when you're out on that walk, hike, run, whatever it is, your mind is clear and open. Even if you have some music on in the background, just make sure that you're not hundred percent in the music, you know, you're, you're taking in information around you. You're scanning for red flags. You're checking your back from time to time. Right. I mean, it's all pretty logical stuff. And then the third, which is a big one, obviously is I think it's so, I think it's so important that everyone has even just the basics of self-defense training one class, right? Of course, I'd love you to have more, but not everyone's going to do it. So realistically, I would say everyone could take one class and just learn eyes, throat, groin. Um, They could learn, you know, a couple of moves that might help them. I mean, I tell the story in in all my keynotes. It's in my book of Kelly Heron Lieberman, who who took one self-defense class, was attacked in a a bathroom in Seattle two weeks later, and the instructor's words um, were in her head. And and she remembered fight hard and fight loud. So she was screaming her battle cry over and over and over again. And you all know it. It's not today, mother. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't bleep her. Yes, Outfit. we didn't. She just you know, muted herself. So good, good. I kept it clean for you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I think self-defense is important. I think we forget about it. And I know I've had, I've had two stalkers. I had somebody like back in Ohio, I had a whole situation, a whole weird situation where there was a man that was tracking women and finding any woman that had a, a routine, saving Mm -hmm. their license plates, forwarding it to his buddy that worked at the fire department, getting information on where we lived. What? And yeah, it was awful. It was this whole awful situation. I didn't, nothing happened to me, but when they apprehended him, they found a wall of addresses of women that he was about to target. And I was on there. And the very first thing that the police department did for all of us, all of us potential victims was send us all to self-defense class. And I will, this was 25 years ago. I will never forget some of those things. Um, and, and like you said, if you just take one self-defense class, like you're you're prepared more than anybody else. But I love the visuals that you give. Okay, one other thing. Can you share the story that happened last year of the woman that was working out in her apartment complex gym or her home gym and what she did to get away, because this was pretty globally, it was all over the news, but then you were featured on 
Good Morning America and the Today Show and all of that for showing like what she did great to help mm -hmm. herself. So can you explain yep. what that situation was and what she did to get out of the situation? Yes. And can I first just acknowledge you, Mandy, because that was a that's a crazy, scary story that you just shared. Mm -hmm. And I feel like every time I have these type of conversations with women, all kinds of women, you know, there's always a story. So I just yeah. want everyone to realize that, that this is not a one-off thing. Like every single woman has some kind of weird, crazy story like that. Luckily, nothing happened to you and I'm happy, but my Thank goodness. Um, okay. So um, Nayali, I think is her name, Nayali, Nayali, I don't want to get it wrong, but she was in a gym in her apartment complex. Um, a guy was, you know, trying to get in and she just thought he was there to work out. So she let him in. Right. I mean, I, I might've done the same thing. Um, and I believe she went back to her workout and then, you know, you could look it up on, online. There's a video of it and some of it's edited out, but essentially, you know, he goes to attack her and she, she, what she did right was she kept moving away from him. She kept trying to keep distance from him, like creating space and distance. So I remember that, like facing him, not turning her back, right? But facing him and squaring off, you know, kind of, which was pretty, pretty forceful of her. And then she used her voice in a really powerful way. I, I didn't hear her on the video. I don't know what she was actually saying, but she used her voice in a powerful way, her body language. She was a bodybuilder. So she already had this very... Um, empowering presence. Um, he did get her down to the floor. She, you know, was trying to wiggle her hips out of the way, which is something called the shrimp that we teach in a basic self-defense class, right? Try to get your hips out of the way of your attacker um, to get your feet back un up under you again. And honestly, I can't remember how the video ended, um, but I do know that she got away safely. I think he finally just gave up to be honest. Swore like, on him. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. She just outlasted him. And that's, that's an amazing lesson. I think in business, in life, in self-defense is if you could just outlast, if you could just keep going and not give up until everyone else quits, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we continue on kind of like the tips theme, tips and tricks theme. Mm -hmm. What about sleep? Sleep is something that I struggle with immensely. And I know mm -hmm. that you have shared and are good with giving like sleep tips and tricks. What ideas would you have for like me who it's a struggle for me to sleep maybe more than six hours? Mm -hmm. I can get to sleep and waking up early is the challenge. And then that is, so what, what advice would you have for me? Yeah. Well, um, this goes to um, chapter five, which is about elevating your energy. And then we, I talk a little bit about chi and your life force energy and how this concept is so prevalent in Eastern culture. And yet here in the States, we don't even address it, right? We don't talk about our energy and um, definitely don't have ways, you know, or systems in place, I would say, to help elevate it. Sleep is one of the most important ways that we can take care of our energy. And again, for some reason, the older we get, like the harder it is for a lot of people. <laughs> yes. What I suggest is having a nighttime routine. Do you have one already? Uh, not really a good one. That probably sounds like, like a no. Sounds like a no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, probably no, but probably, like you know, I mean, like I'll maybe if I could read consistently, that would be my nighttime routine because I would like to read before I go to bed to kind of wind down. But I've been very, yeah. very uh, uh, delinquent. 
yeah. about that. Well, that, that's the thing. We hear so much about these morning routines, morning routines of CEOs and, blah, 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 and and I have a morning routine. I love it. And I think it's as important to have a nighttime routine. So some way, you know, an hour or so before you're going to bed that you're setting yourself up for success. That means down regulating the nervous system. And there are many ways to do that. So it could be reading a book if that relaxes you. It could be journaling, gratitude journaling, um, even foam roll. Like I have a foam roller by my bed and sometimes I'll just do that to kind of release tension in the muscles when I'm super stressed. Lighting. Um, what kind of lighting is in, in your bedroom or, the, or wherever you are for the hour leading up to, to sleep? I have a very soft pink light that I put on in the bedroom and get the white lights off. Um, sound, uh, smell, sound. So all think of all of your senses and how you want to set the, those up intentionally. Um, sometimes, again, I don't do it every night. It changes every night. But uh, for scent, you can have like a diffuser with lavender essential oil, um, music, or some meditation playing in the background ocean waves, whatever works for you. <laughs> okay, that's good. You give some really good tips I hadn't thought about before. Now mm. my follow-up would be, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before about like resilience and not giving up, but it took you over 16 years to write your book. <laughs> Why did it take you that amount of time? And what did you learn about resilience through the act of writing your book? Ooh. Yeah, I know. What good oh, questions. Time. The we bring it. Mandy and I bring it. Yes. <laughs> Money. So 16 years ago, I took a, a nonfiction book proposal writing class and I never finished that book. And the reason was, and I own it all, was I gave up. I gave up because there was a couple of people in the dojo that were in publishing at the time. And I asked them and both of these people said to me, like, you don't have a big enough platform to, to get a publisher. And yeah, I know. Yeah. But how do you know if you don't know? Yeah. But I listened yeah. instead of actually continuing to write the book. I put it aside and said one day. Um, so it wasn't until 2020 when I made a commitment to myself that this was it. I'm going to write this book. And now it was a different book, right? Back then it was called um, Health in the City. <laughs> and now <laughs> it's The Art of Badassery. So, so different time, different intention again back to that word. And what did I learn about resilience? Oh, the rejections that you go through when you're a getting a, you know, trying to get a literary agent, then that literary agent put, um, pitching to all these publishers and either getting no's or ghosted completely. I mean, it was just like, it's, it's an emotional roller coaster. So at some point you just have to learn how to ride, ride it out. And that's resilience. Amen. Yes. I yes. love that. You for well, coming back to it and for being resilient. Go ahead, man. Well, I want to stay on the book for a second because I think something that's really compelling about your speeches and about the book is how you relate the different levels of getting the belts to different parts of life and business. So can you just, can you walk us through that process? Because I, that was very eye-catching for me. And I still think about that a little bit. I And I think other people, other business owners can think, how do I relate whatever it is that I do to something like that, that is process-oriented? So can mm -hmm. you just walk through how that, how you lay that out in the book? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's essentially a framework, right? From white to yellow, orange, green, blue, red, black belt. Each chapter is a different belt level and it goes through a journey like a martial artist. So the martial arts part is just a metaphor. Um, This is not written for martial artists, right? It's written for anyone because in life, like life is the dojo. It's where you do the work. It's where you're going to bump up against competitors. It's where you're going to bump up against people trying to knock you down, people, places, and things, right? Life happens. So white belt is about embracing that suck, getting onto the mat, doing the hard things in life and knowing that, Hey, we're going to fail. We're, we're probably going to fail more times than we succeed. And that's okay. Um, and then we move through bouncing back strategies on how you bounce back from get from being knocked down. Orange belt is about blocking, setting boundaries. Green belt is about that voice, that roar that we talked about earlier. Blue belt, elevating your energy, the chi that I mentioned. Red belt, going within, slowing down to speed up, slowing down, having some type of mindfulness practice to help you tap into your intuition more easily, make less mistakes, really slow down to speed up. And then black belt is all about uh, leadership principles, leadership principles that in the dojo really relate to life, especially for women. Can, can you explain slowing down to speed up and how that's been effective for your life? Big time. Yes, for sure. For in how that um, translates in my world was meditation practice and really being serious about it, like not skipping a day. Um, and over the years, it's it's gotten longer and longer, not intentionally, because I'm like, it has to be five minutes and 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Like it just happened naturally that way. Um, but essentially, myself included, the resistance to me- meditation is usually I don't have time. But what I realized is over time, the more you dedicate to it, the less, the more time you actually have because you're more productive. So instead of racing thoughts all day or waking up and answer, you know, reacting to the first email that you see, if all of a sudden you have a, a wider gap between stimulus and reaction, you make less mistakes. You're more thoughtful you're more intentional, you're more tapped into your creative mind. So you get more ideas, right? You know it out there. If you, uh, you the, the best ideas come to you either in the shower or on a walk or something like that, right? That's the reason because you're giving yourself space. But if we're constantly reacting to what comes our way and living like life like that, mistakes, you know, errors, all the things, you're, ju- you're just constantly like a ping pong. Fascinating. Space and silence. Yeah, that's beautiful. So we've come to the part of the show where we kind of flip the script and we let you ask both myself and Mandy one question. And so we'll, no question is off limits. So we'll let you choose who do you want to ask the question to first? And then we'll continue with our kind of chat after we go through this round of the interview. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's coming up for me self-defense again. I mean, I didn't plan these questions. So, okay. Okay. So I'd like to actually ask Amani because I know Mandy already took self-defense, but Amani, have you ever taken the self-defense class? And if so, what do you remember most about it? I have never taken a self-defense class. I just kind of learned from being (laughs) with the fellas and around, you know, know, different environments. So never a proper self-defense class. You think think it would be helpful for yourself or other men out there? 
Absolutely. hundred percent. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, Mandy, what is the thing that you remember the most from your class and, and have you taken others since then? I haven't taken others since then, but I remember specifically what they told us. And again, this is 25 years ago, Ohio. So I'm sure approaches have changed, but what I learned was when somebody comes at you with their hands, you know, towards your shoulders, take your hand and hit the shoulder, hit their hands up, swing your arm up, hit their hands down and chop them in the neck. That was, and, and for a while after that, that was a party trick. I'd be like, if anybody attacks me, here's what I'll do. And I showed him that. Did um, you say hi-ya? I didn't say hi-ya, but I'd be like, chop you in the neck. Like I just, I just did it. But it's really fast. I don't have enough space here because I'll knock down all my equipment. It was fast. They they said to do it fast. They said, knock them off balance, swing around, knock them in, chop them in the neck. And it was it's fast. I remember that. I haven't ever had to use it, but I remember that and I'm ready. But I but I I love that question. And I actually, if I can, I want to bounce a question back to Imani because I know women, my mm -hmm. aunt and I were just talking about this the other day. Women are always conscious of like who's around me. Is it safe to walk to my car at night? Should I go down that stairwell? Should I go in that alley? And my aunt and I were saying, we don't know if men think about this as, as vigorously as women. So I guess, Amani, I want to ask you, when mm -hmm. you feel like you're in an unsafe situation, where is it? Like, where do you think that self-defense might come into play? Uh, like for me, I go for my after dinner walks. Sometimes it could be later in the evening, solo around the neighborhood. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely, and I have my earbuds in, usually listening to a podcast or a book, but I definitely am looking around just making sure um, if I notice someone like following me or following the same path as me, really, if I'm walking, if I'm driving too, I kind of keep an eye on that also. Mm -hmm. Um, so I definitely pay attention. You know, a lot of times we work in, we do events in big cities. So we might have mm -hmm. to be out later out early and we're walking around places alone, taking equipment, all sorts of stuff where people could just run up on you. You know, even if you have a book bag, like I carry a book bag around all the time and even if I, so I keep that in mind. A lot of times I might leave school late, like 10 PM, go to the mm. parking lot. It's a long walk where there's not many cars around. So I'm kind of always peeking. I even, I started to even um, go with groups. Like I'll say, okay, any students walking to college park parking lot, let's walk together just because, you know, for their safety and mine, it's better to walk in a group. So that's kind of how I keep it in mind, but I'm very diligent because, you know, Growing up, you know, things happen. You get jumped, you know, working in hotels late at night as a young person. Like there's stuff that you've seen that's happened. So it's top mm. of mind. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes. I've, yeah. I've taught self-defense now to a few hotel staffs. Um, Ace Hotel is one and the Terranea down here. Um, and I think every, every event space, every person that works really in events in general should, should take some type of training. But Mandy, back to what you were saying, uh, during the pandemic, there was a big, I think it was a Twitter thread that was exactly that, where women said, what do you um, think about when you leave the house before going for a run? How not to get attacked? And then, and then asked men the same question, what do you do to not get attacked before you go out for a run? And they're just like, nothing, like there's nothing. not even a thought. Mm -hmm. Whereas women were like, I carry my key between my fingers. I do this. I have pepper spray, right? All of these things that we think of, um, which is such a shame. 
Yeah, it is. It's crazy. I think, and I think that was the other thing you'd asked me two things I, or something I remember. That was the other thing I remembered from that self-defense class was um, this man that was stalking us was stalking us because we had routines and, and I am a person of routine. Like you were talking about your morning and nighttime ritual. I've got a whole wake up routine. I've got a whole sleepy time routine. Nice. So for them to say, if you have a routine, switch it up. Mm -hmm. That was, and I went to the same coffee place every day on the way to work at the exact same time. I was a total mm -hmm. target. And yeah. so that was the other thing. If they have the same routine, just switch it up or leave the same time, but just go to a different coffee place or change mm -hmm. it by two minutes or something like that. So I, yeah. I appreciated that self-defense advice That's too. Smart. Nice. You know, to stay on kind of the mindset topic, mm -hmm. I know that you practice kind of like a social media feed detox. Why do you do that? And how has that been beneficial for your mindset? Hmm. Uh, I need to do more of it right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, for real, because I'm consuming way too much news. And it's, and you know, it's one thing I want to be informed what's happening in the world. And I want to do that on a global perspective as well. So I try to tune into, um, you know, international news and stuff like that. But I also have to put limits on it because it, could be really, really heavy, um, which again, it should be because that's what's happening in the world and that's the reality. And uh, having having um, a container for it, I think is important and not just letting it, letting myself open my, um, you know, Instagram any time of the day and then all of a sudden it's there. So that's a heavier issue. Um, before that, it was really about as I was building my business, um, I got caught a lot of times in the comparison trap and I'm watching these young entrepreneurs, you know, half my age or, or just younger than me, like looking like, you know, like they're so, so, so su su successful in a short amount of time. And here I am, I'm like, I've been busting my ass and I'm comparing myself. Anyway, we all know that that is no good. <laughs> so if I have to unfollow accounts that feel uninspirational to me, if they feel fake in any way, then I'll just unfollow them and keep my feed posted with women that I aspire to, women like Mandy that I want to root on and cheer and make me. Yeah, no, I mean it. Like I want, I want the real thing. I want people that are sharing the highs and the lows, um, the, the realistic challenges and struggles that they go through in their path to success. Awesome. I want to hang here with your business adventures because, mm -hmm. you know, we all know we're all entrepreneurs here and there are highs and lows and like, what keeps you up at night right mm -hmm. now about being an entrepreneur? You know, um, to be completely honest, it's, it's, I, for a very long time was doing speaking a hundred, like I would say 90% of my business was really speaking gigs. And as you know, in the event industry, uh, you know, what happened in the pandemic, everyone was like flat out. I pivoted. I did virtual events um, like crazy. I, I made it through. Now on the other side of this, I, I'm still out there. Um, but at the same time, I'm beholden to other people. I'm beholden to yeses, to confirmations, to getting on the stage versus doing that and having my own coaching practice at the same time. So that's my, that's my work right now is making sure that I'm doing 
both and not ignoring one or the other. Mm, balancing it. When you're coaching, what are you coaching people on right now? I mean, I know, but just share, share with the world what you're coaching. Cause who doesn't want Jen for a coach for God's sakes. Like this is so, she's so yeah. inspirational. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I mean, to, for years I was like saying different things. empowerment coach this at the end of the day, I'm a mindset coach. And right now I have a, I'm just about to get my certification in high performance coaching. Again, it's really just going after what you want in life, um, using your voice powerfully, learning how to set boundaries, all of those things, but also I'm a trained health coach. So I want to, I want to coach the whole, or I do coach the whole person, your health, your wealth, your career, all of it, because it all starts with your mindset. <gasps> I just came up with a great idea. Wait, well, so I should probably wait till off camera, but I just, I, I, I don't want to forget for you. Amani, do you think we should, uh, we should connect Jennifer with our other Jennifer, Jenny Perrin? Oh, because yes. she is a health coach. She's an integrative nutritionist, but she's always loving to partner with other people and refer business. And your personalities, I just feel mm -hmm. like you would be great partners in crime. Okay. Mental note, yes. I'll do that. I'll do that at, offline. She's going to co-host with Amani next week on our next show. Um, yes. But I think that would be a good partnership. And who wouldn't want to have you as a coach? You're just spectacular. Agreed. Now, if we're going to go back to when young Jennifer graduated from Fordham University and give her, advice, give her <laughs> advice based on what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, dear Lord. Uh, <laughs> if you knew her back then, you'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Talk about unsafe. I had very unsafe habits. Um, but the real thing I would say is this, Jennifer, like get clear on your wants, needs, and desires. And don't put any other boy or man or anyone's before and ahead of your own like really focus on yourself and that didn't start happening until i got to the dojo but even then i was still in this habit of honestly dating crappy guys that that let me let me how do i take personal responsibility because that's another big thing for me i try to take i was attracting men in my life uh, because I I was looking to fill a void, I think. And I wasn't clear on what I really wanted and needed at the time. So that would be my biggest adv advice to my younger self. I figured it out later, but that's okay. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. As that's we cool. do, as we do, it takes time. It just <laughs> takes time. We have well done it. We've all done it. Yes. I want to know what you're watching. Who are you following? What are you reading? Like, what are you consuming right now to keep yourself going? So much. So I'm going through this, this coaching certification. So that's taking a lot of my time. Um, if I look around, the abundance book I just bought on Saturday. It's this tiny little thing. Do you know it? No, tell us real quick. Yeah. It's a secret. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Monty, we can't tell you. Okay. We can tell you. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, no. She can we tell you about it. Yeah. But it's like this, it feels like very secretive. Don't you think, Mandy? Yeah. I, if we're talking about the same book, but it's a work. I have mine's, oh, mine's not a micro book. Mine's a bigger okay. book. It's okay. It's like a workbook. Maybe we're talking about a different book, but. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. 
I have, yeah, that um, I'm working on right now. What am I watching? The Morning Show with Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer okay. Aniston. Um, gosh, I feel like I have a stack of books. Oh, on my Audible, I have Joe Dispenza, um, mm, Becoming yeah. Supernatural, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Becoming Supernatural. So that's that's what I'm reading and listening to. Nice. How can we best support you? Where should people be following and learning more about you? Kind of where, where should we send everyone besides Instagram and LinkedIn? Besides Instagram and LinkedIn? Um, my website is jennifercassetta.com. If you want to check anything out there, um, my TEDx talk is there to watch. If you want to do that or grab a copy of the book, if you want to go a little yes. deep dive with me. Yes. Go to Amazon, pick up the book. We didn't even talk about our TEDx talk in the introduction. I had so, questions here too. I was like, how can we get our own TEDx talk? Any advice? But we ran out of time because, you know, we have so many questions, so little time. Mm -hmm. But do you want to share any quick tips on getting a TEDx talk if Mandy wants one and I want one? Absolutely. I shared with Mandy um, how mine occurred. But basically during the pandemic, I applied to three different talks um, because there weren't, they weren't, um, all happening during the pandemic. So I only found three to apply to. If it was nowadays, I probably would apply to like 10. Um, right. So find as many as you can and try to do it in a in where you can drive to um, because you have to remember that it's all going to be out of pocket and, you know, cost to, to travel there and everything. But I got it rejected from all three. And then it wasn't until a year later that TEDx Temecula team reached out to me and said, would you like to audition? And at the time I was writing my book. So I was, so I was like, sure, great. But I, I didn't go and like um, apply to so many more. Anyway, long story short, I said, are you sure? Because you rejected me last year. <laughs> what changed? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> what changed was the theme. So that's uh, something that you really want to keep in mind is the theme of the TEDx talk because they will, even if it's a great talk or you're a great speaker, um, and you don't have to be a great speaker. You do not have to be a professional speaker to get on the TEDx stage. That is hands down um, what they re reiterated to us many times. Only myself and Scott Greenberg on, uh, were on the stage that actually were professional speakers the day that I gave my TEDx talk. Oh, gosh, I have so much to say about it. So theme, mm -hmm. make sure that you align with their theme. Um, mm -hmm. Try as many as you can um, because a lot of people want to get on that stage. So there's lots of competition. So just try over and over again and make connections, go to them, go um, check it out, meet the organizers, keep in touch with them. That's what I would do. And how did you like find or source all the different ones? Um, like I said, back, I was just Googling. I, I, I honestly, I couldn't find a whole lot of them because it was shut down during the pandemic. A lot of them were shut down during the pandemic. And actually, the one I got rejected from would have been online, which is bleh, such a terrible experience. So the the I feel like it was like a gift from the universe that I was actually accepted the following year. Yeah, timing wise, like how perfect because it's right when your book came out. Yeah, Amani, I'll send you the link because I've um, I've submitted the last couple of years for TEDx okay. San Diego, a couple of the TEDx's, and I just talked with the TEDx person last week. And she even said, like, it's all about the theme of that year. It doesn't necessarily mean your idea isn't worth listening to. It just means the theme. But if you go to the TEDx website, it shows you all the cities and there's different contacts and you can apply through there. But Jen is an excellent resource because she's helped me 
with a lot of different pieces of information on that. And I've taken pages and pages and pages of notes. So thank you, Jen, for that. But she's a great resource if you're working with her on coaching of any sort and you want to get on a TEDx stage, I would definitely talk to her for sure. And if they they seem to come out, at least the ones in Southern California, all in the fall. It just so came you- out today. TEDx San Diego just came out today. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, meaning, <laughs> right. Meaning they they all happened in September, October. So if you count backwards, you know, then they're planning ten months out. So now would be a great time to to hit right, right. Hit the okay. interwebs. Well, I feel like we have to pause because I feel like we have so much more to talk about. Like there has to be a part two because I have some questions here that are still unanswered. Wow. And I'm like, it's going to make me money. I'll fall asleep at night. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say um, thank you for all the work you do, because I know that you do a lot for like self-defense in the professional speaking world, coaching and all that. And I know that at sometimes it can be a little lonely, but, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You got a support system here, the two of us and others, and just continue to be of service. Thank you both so much. Honestly, I, I appreciate and feel that support so much. And I wish that for everyone. I wish everyone who's working by themselves, have people like Amani and Mandy to, to reach out to. And cause I'm eternally grateful. Oh, awesome. We're grateful for you. We are, we're going to put you back in the green room, but only after a round of applause here. So another final applause there. <laughs> we'll see you briefly backstage. Thank you for tuning in to adventures in business. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening it on. And don't forget to share it with your friends and anybody that might be as much of the business nerds as Amani and I are. See you next time for another captivating interview.